beginning with him who found the son, and there's another son who was found, and then once again he was told that it was time for him to speak in two words and once said, too bad. And then he resumed the song and study, and once another few years passed, and then once again he was told it was time for him to speak in two words, and once said, I quit. And the head monk shook his head and said, I knew this was coming. He's done nothing but complain for the past 30 years.
coaches of the Jesuit Institution of the Praetorium. The Praetorium was a place, and as Paul would say when they were there, these guys in order to be a Praetorian guard, because Paul would, they would put one Praetorian guard on one side and put another Praetorian guard on this side, and they would change. And Paul, they looked at it as if they had to guard this, this special prison. But Paul looked at it as a Bible study. And every time they changed, every time they changed guards, he would be starting all anew, and, and they were different until finally the gospel began to spread throughout all the cities of the Roman But this was Praetorian. These guys had to be about 6'5", they had to be about 280, they had to, to uh, they looked like a, a middle linebacker most of them, and they had to be a Praetorian guard. So here were these big men that were doing this. And they're probably down in a place that we would probably call a basement. Now listen to what he says. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the Praetorium, and they gathered the whole garrison around them. Those Christians... crown of thorns, they put it on his head, and the reed in his right hand, and they bowed their knees before him, and mocked him, saying, Hail to King of the Jews. That's what it says in verse 13. Then they sent for him. They took the reed and they put him on his head. When they had mocked him, they took the robe off of him and put on his own clothes and put him in a robe and a robe of fig leaves. something that took place in history. And it's hard for us to come to a place that we comprehend and we understand what really took place because we're reading it backwards. We're seeing what Jesus went through back in history. We don't see what he... We don't see what... It, it, like we're there, we don't see it. And you and I today are living in a time 
this world can be. No, it's not unbelievable real. But we're living in a time in which Jesus gets ready to come. But even in a year from now, or two years from now, or three, or ever, how many, until the Lord gets ready to come, those people will look back at this time that you and I are living in, and they will look back at that time as a historical time, and they will see things that you and I right now We know the outcome. But for those that were living in that, in that time, it was one of the darkest periods of their time. Remember the two disciples that were walking that six miles from Jerusalem to a place that was called Emmaus? And they're walking along, and all of a sudden the Bible says that their eyes were beholding. They could not see. And as they were, eyes were beholding, here comes Jesus, and he just walked up beside them, and they don't recognize him. They just come from Jerusalem. They just come from a place where they saw the Lord Jesus Christ crucified on a cross. And so they're talking to one another as Jesus walks up behind them. And it's found over in the in, in the chapter twenty-seven of, of uh, uh, or excuse me, it's found in chapter twenty-four of the book of Luke, and it, it starts with verse twenty. Uh, starts with verse. Listen to what he says. He said, Now behold, two of them were traveling the same day of the village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. He's walking beside them. And they didn't know he was walking beside them. I wonder how many times that you and I take a walk and, and everything around us is going crazy. And we don't recognize that Jesus is walking with us. What kind of conversation? And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? You know, the angels sometimes have a hard time understanding why we get the way we are. That's why they ask, they ask Mary, if you'll notice at the tomb, which is in, and Jesus, the doors open, the stones rolled away, the stones rolled away, and they don't, and they ask her, What are you crying for? Angels have a hard time believing that we don't see what God's trying to do in our life. They see us being sad. Because we don't trust Him. And goes on to say, And then one of those whose name was Caiaphas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? They said to Jesus, Have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? him the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and the word before God and all the people. In verse 20, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified. Certain of those who were with us went to 
entered the tomb and found just as the women had said, but they said they're not see. And listen to what Jesus says in verse 25. Here's what he says. He says simply, but then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ who hath suffered these things and to enter into his glory be saying to them, How foolish you are not to believe what my word says. They did not know. I wonder if the Lord is not saying the very same thing to us today as we look around us and we see all the things that are happening. As we look and we see the things that are, all the different things are happening, you know, I wonder if He's not saying to us, Oh, foolish one, will you just hang on a minute? Will you just wait a minute? Because we live in a time that if you keep up with the news, it's difficult not to get depressed. I don't listen to the news anymore. I just don't. Every day brings stories of human suffering from war, terrorism, natural disasters, coronavirus, or crime, political corruption, and we don't know who to believe anymore. This is what we hear. Even the even even the the news and and the. Uh, the media, you know, they, they, they try to create stories rather than just report. I understand all that. In addition, I get emails that tell how the world is attacking our Christian faith from every angle imaginable. This is happening, guys. Even the news about Christianity reports many stories of Christian leaders and churches falling into sin are defecting from the faith, and we live in spiritual dark times that can lead us to despair. That's a reality. But has not the Bible told us that this is going to happen? Did Moses tell us in the last days that terrorist attacks would take place? Did he not say these things are going to happen? Did he not tell us that? We seem to be entering into a time in this country where that this administration that is coming into office are not going to be friendly to the Christian faith. That's what it appears. That's what they, they think about. And there's even a group of billionaires. I don't know where you've been watching this, but there's a group of billionaires. One is Bill Gates, and the other is a German by the last name of Klaus Schwab, World Economic Forum, who want to change the world to their advantage. And they're calling it the Great Reset. Look it up. Not leading us to the Antichrist, I don't know what is. The COVID virus. And all these things are just a preview to the tribulation that is coming. God has told us. It seems we've entered into a dark time. The book of Judges sketches out one of the darkest spiritual times in, in Israel's history. But just like our day, absolute truth and the Word of God went out the window and every man, the Bible says in the book of Judges, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That describes a bleak condition of that time. But the encouraging message of the book of Judges is that God was at work even in the darkest of times and even with the weakest, most mixed up people to accomplish His 
sovereign purpose for His glory. So the question today, church, is this. Do you believe that God's sovereign? Do you believe that He's absolutely in control? I, I don't, I, you know, I, listen, when things go awry, things go this way, that way, never this way, and it's not working out the way we thought it would work out, I understand that. Man, I have a hard time seeing that. Bear it no longer. 
Bless the Lord, you who are His angels, that excel in strength, that do His commandments. who do His commandments. But who is it that hearkens unto His voice? Who is it that gives voice to His Word? It's you and me. See, God is waiting for you to give voice to His Word. Here's His Word. He said, here's the promise. Will you take it and will you give voice to this Word? Oh, and I don't mean, I, listen, I don't mean just say, okay, well, this is just a Sunday school lesson and I'm just going to say something that really just fits in here. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm talking about really getting down to the nitty-gritty and really talking to God the way you want. He wants you to talk to Him. He wants you to say what's really on your mind. How stupid it is for us not to say that. Why? He already knows what you're thinking. Why would you not tell Him? Why would you not tell Him? Why would you not tell Him the things that says, Lord, I prayed and prayed and prayed, and this didn't happen. Why, Lord? Why would you not tell Him, Lord, uh, I, you know, I said you said you loved me with an everlasting love, but Lord, I don't feel it today. Why do I feel it? Lord, you said you'd, you'd provide all my needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. But Lord, I don't see that need being met. Why? Get up from there after all you've ever done, then as a result of that, all you did was write to him. See, is he real in your life? If he's real in your life, then you're going to talk to him, and that's the way you're going to talk. You're going to talk. I don't mean be disrespectful, because, and the way you're not disrespectful is what you get through. If you get up from there, all you did was just tell him how you just wanted to gripe and gripe and gripe, and you just wanted to tell him simply that your life sucks. over in the book of Jeremiah, I think it's Jeremiah 29, 29, and, and what it says, he, know, he says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you peace and hope. And we love to read that, and we stop there, and we just say, Lord, boy, how great it is that you're, you're thinking good thoughts about me and doing all this kind of stuff. But we, we stop, and listen to what, if you read on, it says, Then you will call on me, and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And listen to what the next verse says. And you will seek me and find me when you search with me for all your heart and all your soul. You see, sometimes when my prayers are answered, praise God that my prayers are answered. But sometimes when my prayers are not answered and when things are going to awry in my life, guess what? That's when God's really working in my life. Isn't it? That's when He really wants me to touch me. And the darkness moves in. That's when He really wants me to really trust Him. And, and when I give voice to His Word, and so what have I got to do? I've got, here's what, how do you give voice to His Word? Well, Psalms 91, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High and under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say, Lord, is my refuge and my strength. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I will say, rejoice in the Lord. He's waiting for Telling how you really feel. You know what? 
things that didn't work out. All the whys, why did this, why did this, God, you know, why could it be? He's waiting for you to speak so he can give you the very answer that you're seeking. But I believe in one of the darkest times in all history is when our Lord was speaking. And you know what? It actually got dark. Now, 
that seem to have nothing in common with this book. God's in control. 
I'm telling you that my Lord said He's coming back and He's coming back. And I see things through... And, 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 but think about this. In order for Him... People ask me all the time, do you believe the vaccination is part of the, the Antichrist? No, I don't believe... The mark of the beast? No, I don't believe that at all. But let me tell you, it's a tactic of Satan. But here's what I believe. I believe everything... Why is this happening? It's all happening for one reason. It moves towards that time, that tribulation time, before that Jesus comes to you for And in the middle of all that darkness, could our Lord have stopped all this? At any moment, He could have stopped it. You see, when He prayed those great, when His sweat became great drops of blood, and He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, and He looked in that cup, and He said, Lord, take away this cup from me. Listen, what was in that cup that He saw in there? When Jesus looked in that cup, what did He see? He saw the sin and the degradation of all humanity, the filthiness and the slime of mankind, and He was going to become all that. He saw the child abuse. He saw the corruption. He saw the abortion and all the backroom deals. He saw all that. And he knew when he died on that cross, he was going to become all those things. He who knew no sin became sin that he might become the righteousness of God. God preparing to send Jesus. The Bible says that God was preparing to send Jesus toward the foundation of the earth. Jesus came not into the world to condemn us. We already were condemned. He came into the on a rescue mission to save you and me. Him. Yet 
yet Jesus was orchestrating the whole thing, and they spit on Jesus. Jesus emptied himself. We don't want to empty ourselves. 
10.14, by one offering. Listen to this. Do you believe this or not? Hebrews 10.14. When by one offering, He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. definition of perfection is, but this says, He by one offering has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Listen to what it says in First John 4, 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because, look at this last part, because as He is, so are we in this world. He doesn't say, so are we, that we're going to be that way. No, He says, so are we as this world today. See, that's the way God looks at The problem is, God looks at it. We're still trying to get there. Then the Bible says over in the book of Numbers, chapter 10, verse 14, He took our judgment. He took our judgment. Numbers 12, verse 10 through 14. That's what this says. He says, When the cloud departed from the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leper and white stone. Now remember that Miriam and Aaron had been complaining about Moses. When, when God, you know, one of the things when people say things, when we're trying to do the Lord's work or whatever we're trying to do, and people come against us, listen, you don't have to worry. God will take care of it. Start praying for him. You want to heap hot coals on their head? Start praying for him. That's what happens. And when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous as white as snow. Then Aaron turned to Miriam, and there she was. She was a leper. Okay, it goes on to verse 11. So Aaron said to Moses, Oh, my Lord, please do not lay this sin on us in which we have done foolishly and which we have sinned. Please do not let her be as one dead whose flesh is half consumed when she comes out she comes out of her out of her mother comes out of her mother's womb. Verse 13. So Moses cried out to the Lord saying, Please heal her, O God, I pray. And look what God says. Then the Lord said to Moses, Listen what he said. If her father had but spit in her face, would she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut out of the camp seven days, and afterwards she may be received again. If, if her father had not but judged herself, how, do you, how does the father judge herself? By spitting in her face. Many today have come to Christ and still think God's mad at them. Even though Romans 5 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And one of these days they're going to stand in front of God, and God the Father is going to give them a video replay of all their sins. That's what they think. But John chapter 2 1 and 2 says, My little children, these things are right into you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation of our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. And when I read something like Hebrews, listen, this is the new covenant that He made with us. And when I read the last verse over in the eighth chapter of the book of Hebrews, listen what it says, or verse twelve. And for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sin and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. everlasting life and shall not come unto judgment, but has passed from death to life. 
redeemer. Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. But there was a man in between Boaz and her. And who was that? Oh, such a one. Read it. She didn't want to be called Ruth Osechewa. She didn't want to marry this guy. So what did she do? She had to do this. She had to go to him, take off his right shoe, and then spit in his face and said, You won't marry me. She was ashamed of him. When they spit in Jesus' face, not only was she taking this shit, not only was she taking this sin away, not only was she taking this judgment away, she was also taking the punishment. You say, Lee, after everything I've done, how can I serve? How can I do this? How can I do it? Just because Jesus took the punishment. I don't care what kind of life you live. If you've come to Jesus and you've asked Him to forgive you and He's put on a work inside you and He is your Lord and He's your Savior, Byproducts. One of those is shame. Remember the woman at the well who had five husbands. She was living with a guy, and, and, and she came to the well. Why? At twelve o'clock. Why? Because of the shame. She didn't want to see anybody. She didn't want to get with anybody. But she, her whole life was turned around when she met Jesus. And what did she do? No inhibitions whatsoever. She runs back into town and she says, "Come and see a man that told me everything that I've ever done." Boy, that talk about freedom. Don't be bound by your past, your past or your sins. Jesus wants to set you free, where you can literally be free to go about your life. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Listen, Jesus is the same. Now, some of you may say, "Well, Lee, my shame is my family. You know, some of the things that some of my relatives have done. Some of them had to go to jail. Some of them had to do this, and they did this, and they were known as." All this kind of stuff. Well, listen to this. Listen to what it says over in Jeremiah 31. This is it for me. Listen to what it says. It says this, and it says, But everyone shall die for his own iniquity. Well, here's what it says, verse 29. In those days they shall say to no more, The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children teeth are set In other words, the children's teeth are set on edge. Why? Because of what the fathers have done. But listen to it. But everyone shall die for his own iniquity, and every man eats the sour grapes, and his teeth shall be set on edge. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. And this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. This is the same covenant He made with us over the 8th chapter of the book of Hebrews. It says, The Lord will put my law in their mind and write on their, their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man keep his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I, listen to this, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. That's the new covenant. That's the good news of the gospel. The gospel is not, okay, come to Jesus, now go out and try to do the best you can. That's not good news. The good news is, it's finished. It's finished. Remember one of the last things that Jesus did on the cross? The seven words from the cross, what was the thing he said? I thirst. 
orchestrating everything. opposite of what we teach you. I don't want that. But i got to say this to you. Even though I know all this stuff, I also believe this. My God can do that. I don't care whether anybody else believes it or not. I believe with every all in my heart and soul, He's got this. And He's going to do some things, and maybe the greatest thing He's going to do is take us out of here. Son, who's your daddy? And the whole 
whole crowd got deathly quiet. He could feel every eye in the church looking to him, and now everyone would finally know the answer to the question. to follow him to the scared little boy. He said, Wait a minute, he said. I know who you you are. I see the family resemblance now. You're a child of God. With that, he patted the boy on his shoulder and he said, Boy, you've got a great inheritance. Go and claim it. That that boy smiled for the first time in a long time. He walked out the door and became perfect. He was never the same again. Whenever anybody asked him, Who's your daddy? He just tell them, I'm a child of God. The distinguished gentleman got up and from the table and said, Isn't that a great story? And the professor responded, It really was a great story. As the man turned to leave, he said, You know, if that new preacher hadn't told me that I was one of God's children, I probably never would have accepted A man ought to say anything when he walked away. The seminary professor and his wife were stunned. He called a waitress and asked him, Do you know who that man was that you just left that was sitting at our table? And the waitress grinned and said, Of course, everybody knows. 